DiscerningHearts.com presents St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. Father Haggerty is a priest of the Archdiocese of New York who serves at St. Patrick's Cathedral. He taught moral theology and worked as a spiritual director in seminaries for 20 years. He has directed numerous yearly retreats for the missionaries of charity. He's the author of Contemplative Provocations, The Contemplative Hunger, Conversion, Contemplative Enigmas, and St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, the book on which this series is based. St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Haggerty, thank you so much once again for joining me. Thank you, Chris. I'm so happy to be here. I cannot put down St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation. I just have gone back and I have reread your writing, but also so much of the writings that have been passed down to us by St. John of the Cross. Thank you for taking the time to help break open such an extraordinary gift, not only to the individual, but for the church just for the church at whole. Thank you. Well, thank you, Chris. You're very kind. I appreciate that. He has so much to teach us. I mean, when we think about his particular experience, he was someone that St. Teresa of Avila, upon meeting him, knew she could turn to to understand the dynamics of the, uh, the spiritual journey. And she needed that at that time, especially for the Reform and the Carmelites. I mean, to have priests who could help discern and to guide this emergence of spiritual understanding that was occurring in the church at that time. Well, uh, St. Teresa of Avila, had, she had her own experience in the Carmel of the Incarnation in Avila, and she had... You know, a strong inspiration also from our Lord to reform the uh, the women's cloistered life in the Carmel. And she had already begun that five or six years, was into that reform. But the, the Carmelite order is also an order of men's branches as well. And she also recognized the need for some reform in the men's branches because, of course, they would influence her own sister's. It's interesting how God works because John of the Cross was only a newly ordained man when he met St. Teresa, who had something of a reputation at that point because she had begun the reform, already had some convents um, established in the reform. And and I think that she, she saw, too, providentially that this, you know, young friar only 25 years old, um, had something special. And eventually she invited him to be the chaplain at the Incarnation. Also, we don't know how much uh, influence they had upon each other. And unfortunately, St. John John of the Cross did not keep or destroyed all the letters that St. Teresa of Avila may have written to him. And we don't have any letter of him to her. So it's that's a uh, an unfortunate loss in history, and John of the Cross, who was so keen on being detached and not uh, being possessive about anything, he 
he very did likely destroy those letters. And if he went to purgatory for a little bit, he may have gone to purgatory for that. (laughs) It would be so great to read those letters between the two of them. But for sure, they had a, had a, a very deep influence on one another, despite the age difference of almost 25 years. She became the author of some incredible books, which were very revealing about her own spiritual life and her own journey of learning to listen and and essentially not only just to listen, but to share with the Lord in prayer, to be able to have that relationship. As Teresa Vavala, if I'm not mistaken, would say, talk to Jesus as a friend. In those times of prayer, sometimes she had some very strong experiences particularly that she shared within the context of those works. And so when these books were published, this was new era of publishing, a lot of people were reading what Teresa was writing and maybe thinking that in their prayer they were experiencing the same thing. But in often the case, it probably they weren't there. I'm not I'm trying to be very delicate here in approaching this subject because what we're talking about is essentially what people receive potentially in their in that divine communication. And John needed to kind of put some correctives on what people might be presuming they're experiencing. Yes, and I, I think when we when we take up you know, discussion or study or read uh, a Teresa of Avila or St. John of the Cross and also other, you know, you know, deeper saints of spirituality, it's good to be aware or to, you know, caution ourselves that the great goal of our life is not to have mystical experiences. And clearly, St. Teresa of Avila will recount some extraordinary experiences, mystical experiences, and, you know, extraordinary experiences of that nature, I mean, we think, for instance, of a St. Bernadette with her apparitions at Lourdes. There is a, a mystical aspect to something that extraordinary to have apparitions. But also some mystics have had visions, Teresa of Avila did. And we have others, St. Margaret Mary and others, um, and sometimes they have locutions. Mother Teresa, in her own time, from the accounts of her letters and that in the book, Come Be My Light, she had some extraordinary locutions from our Lord to get the order started. And that may have extended over some weeks, we don't know, even months in the first year of her uh, mystical experience there. But when people um, read those things, or they, if they have knowledge that of that, sometimes there can be a desire that not so much that we will have mystical experience of that nature, but thinking that that is synonymous or always accompanying the uh, advancement in holiness or even union with God. And that's, that's a misconception. And St. John of the Cross is very strong on um, correcting that impression that really the great goal is not to be a mystic. The goal is to be a contemplative. And a contemplative soul, you know, who is growing in deeper prayer and union with God, that in itself is going to be the road to sanctity. And it may have nothing of extraordinary experience of that nature in it. 
So John of the Cross does have, you know, some writing in the work, the treatise, The Ascent of Mount Carmel, um, in a sense, cautioning, correcting some of the, uh, the wishful desires that people might have for, you know, more unusual experiences with God. And that's still relevant today, in fact, pertinent today, because it can be human nature to desire special experiences from God. And it may not be what he, what he really wants. You know, even as, as we celebrate right after Easter, this encounter that Mary Magdalene has at the tomb with Jesus, and he will say to her, she must have embraced him, embraced his feet perhaps, you know, just outside the tomb. And then he tells her, he cautions her, don't, don't, don't uh, hold on to me. You know, I go to my father and your father, my God and your God. And there is a teaching there, you know, to be aware that he wants us to walk that deep, very great deep road of faith and not be looking for these tangible experiences that in some cases he has given to mystics. But that's a very rare, you know, reality, probably even in the lives of saints. Most of the saints were not mystics. What they were were great holy people who uh, gave themselves very fully to God, and that's that was that's what we should aspire to. Yeah, when we talk about the extraordinary experiences, or what may seem to be things, as you mentioned, locutions or even apparitions, those are of such a nature that the the soul really needs to have that counsel because it can become something that can lead a soul astray. And St. John of the Cross is so clear about this in uh, the Ascent of Mount Carmel, isn't he? Well, I think in, in a very, um, you know, in a general fundamental principle, he is, he is teaching, instructing us all along the way of spiritual life that not to seek experiences, and that doesn't mean mystical experiences, even experiences of, you know, closer consolation with God, not to seek, in a sense, chase after, try to hunt down, you know, experiences of God, because in one way we're, we're stopping then on the road toward the greater mystery of God. And some of those experiences are affected by our own subjective state, you know, at the time, you know, we are praying. So if we, um, you know, if we're in a, if physically we're very in a, in a relaxed state, you know, that we may be consoled in some manner because we're body and soul. You know, and other times, he, he's very strong on this, that there could be other times when we seem to suffer our prayer life. It seems to be difficult and burdensome in some manner in an hour of prayer. And he's saying, you know, that at the same time, that person in that hour may have been much closer to God than in the time of seeming, you know, consolation. And sometimes when I, when I do uh, talks with the missionaries of charity over the years, now John of the Cross does not use this example, but I use the example with the sisters that, you know, sometimes it can be a, 
you might have, for instance, a feast day in the Missionaries of Charity. And so, and there's a holy hour after a recreation, a gathering with the sisters. And because it's a feast day, they, they have some candy and, you know, they put a little extra sugar in the tea that day and some cookies on the table. And then they go to the holy hour and a sister may, you know, have a very beautiful holy hour feeling so close to our Lord And then she comes out of the holy hour, you know, ready to die a martyr after this beautiful holy hour. And then one sister steps on her toes, you know, when they're putting their sandals on, back on, and she becomes a tiger in that moment, you know, by the mistake of that sister. And and you might say, well, what happened to the great holy hour? And John of the Cross doesn't have a passage in this, but he might, might say, you know, the, the great holy hour might have been because, you know, you were filled up with sugar in that moment. And you, when you feel good, it's very easy to have a, a almost exaggerated sense of how close we are with God and the real reality of union with God in prayer. And as we go on in life is that we really are surrendering our will, our being. We are offering our life to God. And we are being receptive to his love for that surrender, that he loves that. He loves humility. He loves the, you know, trust that we offer to him. And he responds to the offerings of our life. Sometimes those offerings are done in a state of great dryness and and desert-like interior life. So, and that's, I think, John of the Cross knew the great majority of people are going to have much more desert than you know, beautiful scenery in their prayer. And that that was the true genuine road to union with God and not to look for special experiences. We'll return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation with Father Donald Haggerty in just a moment. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. We now return to St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, with Father Donald Haggerty. Yeah, the desire to want to experience things in our prayer can be a, well, I'll, I'll just say it. I, there, I, I knew of an exorcist once who told me 
that if you want something enough, the devil will give it to you. And, and he was speaking in the context of prayer that the better part would be to approach it in a Marian disposition of heart where it's the great whatever. I am the handmaid. Be it done unto me according to your will. Uh, do whatever he tells you. Just always be receptive to whatever the Lord is desiring for you and leave it there and receive that. Don't want because that is something that can be very unhealthy for the soul. Am I, I'm, I'm trying to be very sensitive to those who have, are trying to sort them, this out themselves in their prayer life. Does that make sense, Father? It makes sense, uh, except I would say that we should want God, you know, and we want him. And John of the Cross, you know, is, you know, he is stretching in his instruction, in a sense, he's stretching that sense that, you know, God is behind a veil of great mystery, of infinite mystery. So we want him. And I, I may mention this before, but... There's a great anecdote and a great true true uh, story of St. Thomas Aquinas when he had finished the uh, section on the Eucharist in the Summa Theologiae. And this was in near the end of his life, and he was in Naples, and there was a side chapel in a church in Naples where he used to pray very early in the morning, you know, while it was still dark, and he was in the habit of going and praying there, and a sacristan or Dominican friar knew that and one day saw and witnessed that St. Thomas Aquinas, very soon after writing about the Eucharist, he may have been sensing how inadequate human words are to describe, to try to theologically speak of the great mystery of transubstantiation, the change of bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. And Jesus spoke to him from the cross. Jesus said, he didn't say exactly, calm down, Thomas, you did good. But he said to him, Thomas, you wrote very beautifully of my sacrament of love. Now, what would you like for a reward? All of us could ask many things, you know, for a reward, for some good work. And Thomas gave the answer, Lord, only you. I want only you. And that's a great lesson for all of us in prayer. I'm sure St. John of the Cross would nod in agreement with that. I want you, and I want only what you want. And wanting God is also, must be accompanied by, I want what you want. Whatever you will offer to me, I surrender all to you. And that, in a sense, is the safe path of prayer, and not complicated. You know, that all of prayer is meant to lead to that wanting of God, that we walk out of a time of prayer wanting him, wanting to please him, wanting to surrender. This is why also prayer cannot, can never be considered just a kind of private venture, you know, that we are seeking, you know, we want to grow ourselves in sanctity or holiness if we're really praying in a genuine way, we want him, we want to please God. And of course, then God is going to take us out of a time of prayer and lead us to people. He's going to lead us to charity. He'll lead us to the poor. He will 
open us to greater requests in which he can use us in some manner for his purposes, the salvation of souls and the sanctification of souls. Yeah, it it seems when you bring out in St. John of the Cross, the Master of Contemplation, those aspects in the ascent of Mount Carmel where St. John has either experienced in the souls of others those who may in their reception of what they perceive to be a, a word from the Lord or direction from him or some type of insight that it can lead that person into a an arena of spiritual pride that I am receiving these things can be a subtle seduction into that temptation of pride and because I have these and he warns about that, doesn't he? That you have to be very careful about, I'll just, he doesn't say it this way, but it's claiming the gift. I have this, this is mine. That can be very dangerous, can it? Well, it can be uh, the open door to possible error. And it's nice to think, you know, to um, be convinced, you know, that God is speaking a direct message to us. But what John of the Cross perhaps is is teaching is the more, you know, serious sense that God is is God, and he and we should be careful ourselves not to try to pull God down, to narrow him or reduce him to a kind of companion that is at our service, or and we wouldn't do that, I'm sure, but. That he's there, you know, simply to approach us in an easy manner. You know, the great reality of God is that he may be so far beyond what we what we realize. And at the same time, he's very personal. So the, the danger, you know, of those things is that we might be mistaken or we might misinterpret, that we might, you know, consider a what we think is a phrase from God or some some word from him. And then take it as a very direct command, and perhaps it's uh, it's not. You know, the imagination is a very real thing, also, and our imagination is capable of being provoked. Or so I, I think it's. You know, I wouldn't want to put too much um, stress on that because you know we do get inspirations, but they have to be tested. And this is why we speak also of discernment of spirits and the need for, you know, being somewhat careful and prudent and not assuming things uh, too easily. Sometimes, you know, consulting with a priest or, you know, somebody who is, can guide us. And, and most, you know, good guidance will say, well, be careful, you know, let's see what fruits come from that. I think it's an, it's an area where we have to be a little careful, it depends on one's uh, inclinations and approach there. But for sure, what we said, you know, before this, to want what God wants, he has his way then of supporting us, you know, when, when our pure desire is for, for him and for his will. Then providentially, he, I think God tends to then fulfill that prayer. Yeah, I think the key is, just as you said, is to discern, to test the Spirit, essentially, taking from the, the teachings of St. Paul. 
because we're very much a part of the of the communication. I mean, what we bring into it, as you said, our imagination, our desires, our hopes, and sometimes that can possibly cloud what is being said if there is some type of revelatory thing that God is communicating to us. So it's important, as St. John said, you have to give it some distance because, I mean, we can get in the way, can't we? That's possible. And I don't think it's the key um, subject of St. John of the Cross, but he's, for sure, people who are serious about prayer, who spend time in silence and prayer, because of the private nature of this, and the solitary aspect of prayer, you know, there's a need to address that point, you know, that, you know, you are, you're, you're walking through, you know, an area where there are certain landmines, so to speak, that you have to be aware of that, uh, and not, not just that we don't step on them, that we don't get fall into a hole in one sense and get caught up in things that actually do derail or, or in some manner uh, halt walking ahead toward God. You know, it can be sometimes too that, you know, we think that, you know, things that we may be inclined toward, inspired toward, well, if it's from me, it can't be from God. Well, it might be that God will be pleased that we go forward in things we're attracted to. And, I think it's uh, what John of the Cross is, uh, again, instructing, teaching us, reminding us to seek a very, you know, a pure desire for God. That's a lifetime, never-ending effort, you know, to be, and not to be seeking secondary things, which can come under the guise of being under, maybe directly from God, but to seek for God, you know, as our... Like you said, when Mary prayed the fiat, you know, I am your handmaid, let it be done according to your word. She didn't know all that was going to come. I don't think she had a vision of the crucifixion in that moment. But she was led, you know, year by year, day by day, month by month, to precisely the fulfillment of that prayer. Let it be now in accord with your word. When we pray in that manner, God has his way to show us, you know, what he wants, you know, in, from period to period in our lives. That's the safe path, I think, and not to look for extraordinary things. Continuing on that note from another doctor of the church, Catherine of Siena, she has that wonderful passage in the dialogues with the fathers in, in heaven, and she is counseled by him to be be careful because we can fall in love with the gift more than the giver. And we can kind of claim those things as opposed to seeing the one who, that the greater desire is to, to love the giver of the gift. And I think that's a real danger sometimes that we look at those things as a part of our identity, as, a part, as opposed to a part of his identity. It's, it's his. It's the sharing in the divine nature. It's not something that we own. Yes, and, you know, you said it well. You know, we want the to seek the giver. You know, the gifts are, you know, very real that God gives, but um, it's, it's not hard to get uh, waylaid in some manner, you know, held up by, you know, the desire for gifts in some manner. And 
you know, not to um, not to seek after just the gifts, but God Himself. And yeah, that's a uh, that's always a good, careful uh, discernment in our lives that we're seeking after God. And I think you know, it's also good to realize the gifts of God are sometimes you know in trial. We wouldn't think that you know at first they are. You know, some of the difficult circumstances, he's actually giving gifts, trying to stretch us in into a greater exercise of our faith, our hope, our charity, that God is giving hard gifts sometimes, like a, a parent, you know, who is trying to take a child, you know, further in their, uh, in their growth. You've been listening to St. John of the Cross. Master of Contemplation with Father Donald Haggerty. This series is based on the book St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation, published by Ignatius Press. Visit ignatius.com to obtain a copy, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free discerning hearts app this has been a production of discerning hearts i'm your host chris mcgregor we hope that if this has been helpful for you that you will first pray for our mission which is to offer authentic and rock solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world and if you feel us worthy consider a charitable donation which is fully tax deductible to help support our efforts but most of all we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for St. John of the Cross, Master of Contemplation with Father Donald Haggerty.